Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 123. That's one, two, three of Thrive Deeper. It's your old mate DJ Payne. And on this fortnight's episode of your favourite Bible study podcast, Matthew Jacoby and I sit down and we continue our trek through the Acts of the Apostles, the book of Acts. Now, if you cast your mind back right at the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus said that we would be witnesses to him in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the farthest parts of the earth. Well, in the three chapters we're going to look at today, chapters 8, 9, and 10, those words come true. I tell you what, this is an amazing part of the book, and we've got some amazing questions around this part as well. So grab your Bible, open it up to the book of Acts, grab a pen and a paper, because you want to be making notes today. This is all about the Acts of the Apostles here on Thrive Deeper. I know this is no good for everybody listening to the podcast, but we've said this a few times, Matt. Sometimes I wish we were, we had the microphones <laughs> recording at the minute you walk through the door. We're just <laughs> we're just been sitting here talking for half an hour. Yeah, we we literally get carried away talking about all these other topics, news, films, yeah. everything else different parts of theology, arguing different points, and then we look at each other this, and go, oh, hang on, we're supposed to be recording a but podcast. But this is exactly why we said, hey, we should record a podcast. It's true. <laughs> true. Oh, it's funny stuff. It's funny stuff. Okay, so we're, we're, we're having a great time here. This is um, uh, our third part of our six-part series going through the Book of Acts. Mm. Um, it seems like, you know, this first three, we're taking our time, but the next three, we're sort of going to race ahead a little bit. Yeah. Now, now we've just covered, to give everybody a, a uh, bit of an overview, the book of Acts is part two to the Gospel of Luke, yep. written by Luke. And it is a continuation. The the book, the Gospel of Luke, is Jesus Christ physically on earth and his ministry. The book of Acts is what happens when he leaves and sends his Holy Spirit to start the church. That's right. Yeah. And so we are at the beginning of the early church as we cover this week Acts chapter 8, 9, and 10, these three chapters. Now, this is a mammoth. Part of the the, the 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 book of Acts is a couple of major major uh, milestones mm. in these three chapters. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, we can do it. We'll, we? we'll be right. <laughs> All right. So we start off here. It, it, it finishes the, the Acts chapter eight picks up where Acts chapter seven finishes off. Funny that yep. where we have this the death of Stephen one of the first deacons, yeah. this amazing spirit-filled man who has preached this amazing message to the Jews. Yeah. And then, you know, we have Saul standing by, assenting to, you know, uh, yeah. you know, confirming so all yeah, of this. We've, we've met Saul. Yeah, we've met right. Saul. Yeah. This is the first time we've seen Saul, this this young Pharisee who's who's hot for the Christians to be wiped out. Yeah. And then on the back of that, we open up into chapter 8, the persecution of this early church. Yeah. So it's been... 
is it is it fair enough to say that we're sitting at a, a you know maybe two to three years in the life of the early church at this point? Yeah, we are. Yeah, that's about where we are. And and what you see happening from chapter eight is the beginning of the spread of the Christian movement. So yes. at the moment we're focused around Jerusalem mm-hmm. um, and now it's going to spread out into Judea and then Samaria and then to the ends of the earth, of course. It's funny. I thought Jesus said something <laughs> about that. That's what he said. That's right. So right at the beginning of uh, of Acts, Jesus says, you know, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the gift my father promised, gift of the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses. You know, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses uh, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And so uh, Acts follows that um, that pattern. And so in Acts chapter 8, we get the, the persecution uh, causes the church to be scattered and the Christians, wherever they go, uh, they keep sharing this message. There's this theme of boldness. They've prayed for boldness. Keep us bold. They don't stop speaking about it. It's a very important yeah. uh, theme in the book of Acts. They don't stop speaking about it. Um, they, they're not going to be shut down. And so there's this sense uh, that the, move, the movement outwards uh, this move of the Holy Spirit is this unstoppable force, and yeah. so, um, so then we, we it zooms in. Now we've already met a, one of the de- the deacons, as yes. you said, that was set aside. The seven deacons, Stephen, uh, Stephen. and now we're going to meet another one who was yeah. we were introduced to before. These are the only two, yeah, uh, that that we're introduced to, but. The, the story about the deacons probably sets up for this story uh, to some extent. Mm. Uh, gives us a bit of insight into how the church prioritized the things that they needed to prioritize. But we get the story of Philip, and Philip goes to Samaria. Um, and, th- and this is exactly the <clears throat> example that you that you were talking about before. And I love the way that Luke really clearly plays out what's important yeah. here. Basically saying, Saul is going door to door wiping out the Christians yeah, in Jerusalem. Right. Yeah. He's, he is going for it hard. But the believers are scattered yeah. outside. And, and for example, let's go to Philip. Let's see what he's doing. That's right, yeah. And it, we get this really clear example of what, what you know, again, we've already looked at the two temples in Jerusalem. Yeah. The temple, the, you know, the Jewish temple where all this yep. harassment was going yep. on. And the living temple, the Spirit of God, what the Spirit of God is doing. Yep. Luke is like, Okay, they've they've able to smash it in Jerusalem. Yeah. But look, this is the difference in it. It's, it, it yeah. goes out and, it, and it, you know goes further. Yeah, that's right. And so we have this experience in uh, in Samaria. Um, you know, Philip is going out and he's doing these amazing things. Um, and there's enormous following in oh. Samaria, right? And of course, we we meet this guy Simon the sorcerer, mm-hmm. uh, this magician, or you know Simon the magician who uh, is amazed at this power and he at least uh, professes to be Christian. He, um, uh, you know, has acknowledges Jesus in some sense. Uh, and his nickname in Samaria, Samaria is yep. the power of God. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, The power of God. So that's his nickname. He walks around as that as this great sorcerer. Yeah, that's right. So he's obviously... Blown away with what Philip is yeah. doing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's right. And of course, this uh, the story about what's being uh, being done in Samaria goes back to Jerusalem, and so they send Peter and John. And it says in verse fifteen, when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers um, there that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They'd simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Interesting. 
interesting statement. Now, we've got a question, I believe, about this, so this would be a good time to throw this in. Yeah, and this is this is something we're going to see a few times in the book of Acts. And, and the question um, comes from one of our faithful supporters uh, of all things Thrive, and it's a great question around the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's a really clear example of it in Acts 8. He says, would love to hear your thoughts on uh, on what, you know, the work of the Holy Spirit. Were these people, these Samaritans, with Philip, converted already? And if so, is receiving the Holy Spirit an experiential thing? Don't, don't we automatically receive the Holy Spirit when we believe, when we first hear the gospel? So how do we interpret these passages? He goes on. He goes on to explain. I'm going to sort of. Um, mm. It's a long question, but I'll I'll sum it up for you. He basically says, you know, obviously there's a few different schools of thought about how the Holy Spirit comes upon us as believers. Mm-hmm. Does it happen at the point of salvation? Does it happen afterwards? Does it come with signs? Does it come with speaking in tongues? Does it come as an experience, or is it something that we know? So the great questions, and I think yeah, this is great a great question. passage passage to talk about. Yeah, that's about. right. So, uh, so let's first talk about what's happening here. So this is a very important transition, okay? This is the first kind of transition outside of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Judea, outside of the Jews, okay? And particularly yeah. Samaritans because they're the arch enemies. And so now, Matt, I hate to interrupt you, but I want to make a point about Samaria, the Samaritan people. Mm. Um you know, if we remember anything about the gospel stories, we know that they are hated by the Jewish people, and you know they're sort of ha- roughly mm. like half caste yeah. from the Jews. Yeah. There's closeness, and there's a lot of rivalry history mm. there. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to note. I think this is really important to note. I know you want to get into this, but left to their own devices, this happy commune mm. in Jerusalem of these new believers with the apostles, I don't think they would have r- run into Samaria to let them know. No, no. Uh, it, uh, actually, and it's this scattering yeah. uh, that that causes them to go to places that they would not have otherwise wanted to go. Exactly. Uh, so, um, and so this is how Philip ends up in Samaria, presumably. Yeah. 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 So, 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 so we've we've got him in in Samaria, um, and so the question is, you know, getting back to the question there. Sorry for the, for that interruption. Uh, the question is. Why the delay in the Holy Spirit? Mm. Were these Samaritans believed under Phil? You know, actually believers? Were they not believers? Is this something? Is this normal? What's going on? Yeah. So the importance of this event and the reason why it's marked the way it is, it's because it's this very important transition from the Jewish people to well to the Samaritans, and uh, and there was a sense in which they needed to actually see. This happened. The leaders needed to see this happen with you, uh, in order to be able to track with what God was doing. So, yes. so the the way that this happens here is it's not a pattern. It's we, it's very important that we don't say, "Oh, this is the pattern." That's the way you you, you believe pat- first. As a pattern then, for us. That's right. You believe first, and then at some time later, you yeah. you know you re- you receive the Holy Spirit. No, the ideal is always that you believe and receive the Holy Spirit. That's yes. the ideal. Yes. Uh, now. Um, you know, we can talk a little bit about how, and 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 my suggestion is, you, you don't want to systematize this at all. Even even to say it can only be experienced this way, or it, or it yeah. always is. I mean, you know, uh, I, I think um, uh, to re- refer to the teaching on the Holy Spirit elsewhere. I mean, 
Paul in Romans encounters this issue of dis, you know do they have the Holy Spirit and do I not have the Holy Spirit yes. in the book of Romans uh, sorry in the book of um, Corinthians obviously yes. uh, where he wants to highlight the fact no we all have the Holy Spirit and yeah. and uh, he says for example in Romans 8 if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ he does not belong to Christ yes um, and so and so some people have interpreted, so some people recently, mm. like in the interpretation of, of Acts 8 and other passages in the book, book of Acts, would say, well, then then these believers from, you know, in Samaria under Philip weren't really believers because they hadn't got the Holy Spirit yet. But I, but again, I'm going to yeah. push back on that because I really do believe, I think the passage makes it quite clear that these were true believers. Yeah, they were. Tr- they were. That's right. They Phil- were true Philip believers. Philip had preached the gospel to them. Yeah. They had. They had come. They believed in Jesus. And 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 tell me if I'm wrong. The way that I would sum sum it up is because this is also new to the church, and the yeah. apostles are there, and we don't want to see divisions in this early church. We don't want to see that the Jews were over here believing, and the Samaritans over here, and Gentiles over there. Yeah. God is saying. You know, under Peter and John and the early apostles sending Peter and John there, you're they're going to experience the same thing that you did under Pentecost. Yeah, that's right. Together under you, so we're all one. That's right. So, and what that's basically that's what we're going to see here. We're going to see uh, Pentecost, something like Pentecost, re- repeated each time this important boundary is getting crossed. Yeah, because it needs to be marked. That's yeah. the point. It needs to be marked, and and I think. You know, my, my point is is that you need to be very careful about creating a pattern or out of something that we read here, because you, you don't want to do that with the work of the Holy Spirit. I think there's some basics. I mean, these people believed because of the work of the Holy Spirit on their lives, but there's something about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit here that is um, uh, that is extra significant. Yes. Uh, anyone who ever believed believed because of the work of the Holy Spirit uh, mm-hmm. on their hearts, from a theological point of view. That there's something. Uh, p- particularly significant about this outpouring, and that is, is that it's a it's a kind of ordination actually to into a new, a new covenant experience of God and of being able to be a witness and to be filled with the power of God and to um, you know have God work through us as though you know in in the sense of prophets and priests in the sense the prophets and priests were under the old covenant yeah and so that's Joel's point in in the prophecy about the outpouring of the holy spirit in Joel chapter 2 it's all about and all people will yes. be filled with the spirit and and the young men and the old men and the men and women will it's so it's everyone but they would never have dreamed that the Samaritans as well, yeah. as well. That, That's certainly not the Gentiles, yes. you know, yes. and, and so there's a, there's a great sense of surprise because they would have thought, no, no, hang on, it's the Jewish people who are like, okay, we can accept, we accept now that all the Jewish people, not just the, the, yeah. the prophets and, yeah. the, and the high priests are anointed. Yeah. Okay, so all of, wow, that's a big step forward. All, so 12, all, all the 12 tribes. The, of, all the 12 yeah, tribes yeah. now. But they, they, but they would have perhaps thought that, okay, so this is God empowering the Jewish people to be witnesses yes. to the rest of the, but no, actually, uh, the Holy Spirit an- anoints now the Samaritans, and we're going to see the Gentiles uh, as well. So, so this is being marked here uh, in this sense. I, yeah, this is a real and – and again, in, today in this episode, we're going to see that another time as well. <clears throat> this is an important note as you're reading through the through the book of Acts is when the Holy Spirit comes and, and enables them to, whether it's speaking in tongues or whether it's the same as Pentecost, it's used in a few different yep. ways. And I love the way the Luke 
really doesn't... This is the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit and the way that God works. It's not a prescription. It's not the same thing every yeah. time. We see quite different experiences. Really different, different experiences. Yeah. Really different ways that, that the Holy Spirit uses different people. And I think the point we can get off the track when we go, oh, this is the way that I need to experience it. Yeah, that's now. right. Because instead this of is what so, I've heard, yeah, yeah, but this is the, the like so, like you said, this is a list of rules or how it has to be yeah. done. The point in all of these passages is, you know, yielding yourself to the teaching of Christ and the gospel, yeah. and letting the Holy Spirit doing His work in yeah, you. Yeah, that's right. He will do it His way. That's you right. Know? So, so the standard, um, the, the standard. Uh, sort of way in which we receive the Holy Spirit is that the standard for that is laid down actually in Acts chapter 2 when um, uh, Peter in his sermon uh, says in verse 38, he says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of, of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit comes as a result of repentance and faith um, and which is why Paul says in Romans, anyone, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Yeah. Paul actually says in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, he says, and you are also, also this is from verse 13, of Ephesians chapter 1, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Um, So uh, there's this sense in which the, um, it's the, it's the gift of the Holy Spirit in, in a sense that makes us Christians in the specifically new covenant sense, yes. you know, and so what we see in Acts is a transition from the old covenant to the new covenant. Yeah. Now, when when someone becomes a Christian today, you don't you don't do a transition from an old covenant to a new covenant. <laughs> we, we come into the into the new covenant. Yeah. Now, let me hasten to say though that that can unf- that experience can unfold in in different ways. Yes. Um. So you know we, we can. Like there's uh, a sense because it says talks about people being filled with the Holy Spirit. So there there is the experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's even a, a sense one commentator talked about a release, a uh, sense of a release of the Holy Spirit, something that we have, but uh, there's a sense in which it's released in some sense, yes. in, in some significant way in our yeah. lives at particular points. So. It's very important that we don't try to systematize an experience and saying it has to happen like this, in this way. It, it can unfold in, in a lot of different ways. Um, and uh, getting back to Acts, yeah. what we see there is a great significance in the way that it inf- unfolded yeah. because it ne- there needed to be the, the, the sign that, yes, they have received the Holy Spirit too. Yeah. They also are included in the church in this new covenant. Amen. They also are part of this new temple. They also, you know, it's yeah. that's the idea. Yeah. It, it, look, there's so much in this, and I think maybe, um, you know, maybe on another podcast yeah. we might sure. even get into this a bit more. Yeah. We're actually, so, sorry, let me interrupt. There, there's actually happens another time again in Acts chapter 19 where they meet some of John's disciples. Yeah, when Paul, Paul yeah, that's it. right. Well, we're going to see it again in just a couple of chapters as we as we continue yeah, here. Right. We've, yeah. we've got a we've got another instance of this. Yeah. But but as to anyone who's paying attention to this, Luke is recording this inspired by the Holy Spirit Himself. Yeah. For a reason for us to take note 
of the the ever growing rings of the church yeah. expanding and enveloping all people as Jesus Jesus said. How do we know that? Back then, this is the start of it. Of course, the start is going to be. It's. It's. Remember what the what you know what the letters tell us is that the church is built on, you know, the work of the work of the apostles. You know, the, the, there's a foundation being apostles laid. Apostles and the prophets. That's right. Yeah. And this is the we're reading about the foundations being laid. Yeah. And so it's going to be a little bit different, maybe sometimes mm-hmm. to how it is. But we yep. don't want to limit. Yep. Uh, you know how God does. Okay, this—that's a great big yep. question. We can we can. And, and of course, this is you know we, we we read about and Philip really is he's he's breaking a lot of boundaries here, isn't he? Because the next thing we read about Philip is him coming across this Ethiopian eunuch, yeah. and and um and this and he has this experience where I mean this classic example of being in the right place at the right time. Mm. Uh, he. He is directed by an angel of the Lord. It's interesting to see the angels uh, still yep. working uh, here. Directs him to go south down to Gaza. We've heard a lot about Gaza <laughs> yeah, recently, uh, lately yep, yep. Uh, in the news. Well, this is um, on the road uh, from Jerusalem to Gaza, and he meets this Ethiopian eunuch. Okay, and he's in his char- in his chariot. Now, this guy. Is as an Ethiopian, he's uh, probably a black guy. Is no you know, doubt, d- no doubt, have very black, dark yeah. skin, um, and he represents pretty much as far away as anyone knew about. Yes, that 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 really is what he, this is a guy who who is as foreign yes. to these uh, Jewish people as as they could imagine. Okay, but yeah, but Ethiopia has a uh, has a rich history. And again, depending on how yeah. you interpret, you know, the story of Solomon and stuff yeah. like that. But even even in this time, Ethiopia um, was a rich country, a powerful country, yeah. you know, incredibly foreign down there in Africa, down yeah. in, in the continent. But we, you know, they were interested in Jewish things. They were interested in, yeah. in you know, the God of the Bible, That's the right. God of yeah. the Jews. And that's why we have this guy who's incredibly powerful in the court of the queen. Yeah. Um, you know... Uh, Reading the book of Isaiah, yeah, that's right. Wondering what is yeah. going on. So even even in the story of Solomon, of course, and that's the the connection yes. with Ethiopia originally is that the story of the Queen of Sheba, yes, probably from Ethiopia. I mean, one interpretation. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. one interpretation. But the point, w- w- wherever she's from, the point even there is that's as foreign as we can yes. possibly imagine. You know, yes. that's as far away as we even know about, and yeah. that's and so um, Ethiopia was. Was really the edge of the known world, yes. the, the far edge of the known world uh, for these people, and that's the significance uh, of this. Because remember, we're moving outwards. So this is we 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 haven't. This is sort of crossing a boundary, um, but but the, but the formal crossing isn't going to happen until chapter. Uh, Ten, yeah. Uh, so we, we, we're going to get to that into the Gentiles, sort of, and so, th- uh, so formally. But this is a pre a foretaste of this, yeah. And it, and it goes to show you, like like I, I, we alluded to before, the Holy Spirit does things very differently yeah. with each individual. Yeah. So even though we've said there's a pattern of you know them experiencing different miraculous things, you know, mm. the Holy Spirit coming upon them in different ways as different people enter into the church. Well, the Holy Spirit is directing this whole exchange between Philip and 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 this mm. Ethiopian eunuch, and yet we have a wholly, you know, different miraculous thing happen 
around that yeah, than, than right. what we have with the others. It's really, really interesting. I love this story. Yeah, that's right. And uh, and so he, you know, he's reading the scroll of Isaiah and explains, and and he's baptized, and it's a it's a beautiful story. And then of course he's just taken away, and yeah, I don't know what. Ha- and, what and again, what it that shows. Means. I love the fact that eunuch we have in verse thirty four. Eunuch asks Philip. He's on like the eunuch is right in the story. Yeah. He says, "Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else?" Yeah, like what a leading question yeah. Yeah. for Philip to go in and go. Well, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Yeah. Who he's talking about? And what 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 a moment, you yeah. know. What a moment to come into the conversation too. <laughs> it's and gr- look, and, and I think the point here is that there's this sense of providence. Like it's not you, – what you don't see is people struggling to necessarily in, – in, in constant frustration to get things across. There's lots of resistance, yeah. but – there's so much divine providence, oh. so much opening of the way. Uh, God is is making way for His message to find, you know, find its place in the hearts of people. And of course, the next story is the classic example yeah. uh, of that, um, because we come back to the story of of Saul. Saul. Of Saul. Yeah. So we finish there, and I just want to I just want to leave on that point as we say goodbye to Philip. Um, imagine this scenario: you're the Ethiopian eunuch. Um, you know, and you've you've accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ. It all makes sense to you. This guy who just runs up to the to the chariot you're in, you know, says, "Let's stop here. There's some water here. Let's get baptized." Away we go. We get baptized, and as you come out of the water, you know, being yeah. baptized, he disappears. Yeah, <laughs> he disappears. The Holy Spirit snatches him away. Whatever that means, it's like yeah, some, whatever that means. Whatever yeah. that means, it's like some sort of uh, you know rapturous event. Philip yeah. just disappears in front of him, ends up in another town, and the eunuch walks around and goes, "Yeah, that's awesome. Let yeah. me spread the." It's funny in the in the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, mm. in the Orthodox mm. churches of of, Eth- of Ethiopia, um, where they have all the icons and stuff. Of course, the Ethiopian Enoch, mm. the eunuch. Uh, is 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 one of the saints there, yeah. and he's he's highly yeah. highly praised, and is and is considered a saint as the one who brought the yeah. message of the yeah. gospel back to Ethiopia, and, and and we we can assume that he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an amazing. Yeah, so story. one of the oldest Christian churches. Yeah. Beyond the borders of uh, of Israel. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Um. So Acts nine. So Acts chapter nine, uh, we come back to Saul as, and it says, "Meanwhile, it <laughs> begins." Uh, that's how it begins. Saul is still breathing out m- murderous threats uh, against the Lord's disciples, and and then we get this amazing story, uh, the, the you know the most famous conversion story uh, ever, really. You could say uh, this Damascus Road experience that yeah. uh, that Saul has. Now, the importance of this to the Book of Acts is evident in the fact that it's repeated, the whole story is repeated three times wow. in the book of Acts. Wow. So there's something um, there's something sort of paradigmatic about this about this conversion story. It's it it represents in a, in a sense what what it actually takes for someone to truly become a disciple of Jesus. It 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 sort of um, it encapsulates that radical change of direction, that mm. radical transition from going one direction to going another. And Saul, uh, who whose Greek name is Paul, of course, who wrote a large part of the New Testament. Yes, uh, he is. You know, he becomes the embodiment of what repentance, what this dramatic turnaround actually looks like, and that's that's the uh, significance of this story and why it's repeated uh, three times. 
um, in in acts. Now, uh, you know, we you might hear in the news or in a magazine publication or a newspaper, whatever. You know, someone use an expression that comes straight from this chapter. You know, he's had a road to Damascus experience, and mm. um, that comes from the life yeah, of Paul. Right. It's still a phrase that is used today. Yeah. I just heard it the other day on the news. He's had a road to Damascus experience. And that basically means you are heading in one direction. It's a great, yeah. it's a great, um, you know, sort of street slang for repentance. What yeah. it means to repent, yeah. because Paul, as Saul, as he's as he's, you know, Pharisaical Jewish name, he's heading towards. Uh, Damascus to bring men, women, children back to Jerusalem in chains, mm-hmm. these Christians. And on the way there, you know, the God himself speaks to him out of a light. Mm-hmm. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And the great question that Saul says is, who are you? That's right. And so he's he's gone to Damascus chasing the Christians that have scattered. Okay, you're going to run away. I'm coming after you. Yeah. Uh, and and so and of course with word of the spread of of Christianity, yeah. he, he's going to uh, try and um, snuff this thing out. Now it's interesting that he is a disciple of Gamaliel. He's sort of the star disciple of this very prominent rabbi called Gamaliel. Who we who we've and, already and, met. And we've met Gamaliel. He, he is the one who, in the Sanhedrin, he says to the Sanhedrin, look, remember, he uses another couple of examples of revolutionaries who were a big deal for a bit and then they, uh, you know, and then they failed and it all um, crumbled. And he says, look, if you... Uh, if you try to fight against this uh, this guy, like if this is from if this is not from God, it'll come to nothing. Basically, to summarise what he says, mm. but if it is from God, uh, then nothing can nothing will be able to stop these men, and you'll only f- you know find yourself fighting against God. Now it's interesting here that uh, Saul he doesn't take the advice yes. of his <laughs> uh, of his mentor Gamaliel. Um, he, he actually does fight uh, against these people and. This is the chapter where he realizes that he is actually fighting against God. So there's something significant about about Gamaliel's sort of unwitting prophecy, in a sense, that if you you Over may his, well find yourself yeah. fighting against God if you fight if you fight against this movement. And, and, and his prophecy being over his own student as well. That's one right. Of his now I think peoples. I think Gamaliel probably expects that it's all going to come to nothing. Yes. Um, but just in case it's not, you know, just in case it is something, you know, and that's where you get this statement about you find yourself fighting against God. Uh, just a little footnote here. I made a mistake in the Thrive Reading Guide. Uh, bum, 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 bum. The, the um, uh, I think the first, uh, the first mistake when I discuss the story of Gamaliel yeah. uh, and, and Gamaliel saying that, I actually attributed that to the high priest. Oh, I said the high, when the high priest said, you know, if you uh, try to stop these men. Yes. You, anyway, apologies for that mistake. <laughs> uh, a bit of a slip there. It'll be edited out. It'll in be the edited next out version. In, the, in the next. Uh, yeah, in the next version. <laughs> anyway, so so here is Saul, and he's fighting against God, and he has this conversion. He's th- converted. This amazing uh, conversion experience. Now it's interesting. Um, uh, who are you, Lord? That is a good question. Um, Amazing. And the answer is, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And this is interesting that Jesus puts it this way, um, uh, that Jesus so identifies with his church. Yes. As Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of these, my right brothers, point. you do unto yes. me. Um, this is what 
Jesus reflects this when he says, "It's I am Jesus, and you are actually persecuting me when you persecute uh, my people." Um, and he tells him to go uh, into the city. Now, the other he, he, another couple of points here, you know, as we go, go through this story. So Saul immediately is is struck uh, blind. Uh, you know. He doesn't eat or drink. He's taken back into Damascus. Now, in Damascus is where he wanted to persecute Christians because he heard there's Christians in Damascus. Yeah. Right. Now, one of these Christians in Damascus, who this guy is going to take a chain, God speaks to and says, you know, Ananias, uh, you know, go over into this place. There is the man from Tarsus named Saul. He is, pra- you know, he tells him, and I love Adonis. Yeah. Like, yeah. you must be joking. Yeah, but Lord, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's coming for me. That's this right. is the dude who's coming mm-hmm. for me and your people. Uh, he's authorized by the high priest to arrest anyone. And the Lord says, go for Saul is my chosen instrument yeah. to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Oh, yeah. Now that right there, that is Saul's mission statement from God himself. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, that we need to know. So, yeah. you know, thank goodness that Ananias um, is is faithful. He believes. Yeah. And when he when he meets Saul, he calls him brother right from the very yeah, beginning. Yeah, that's right. And uh, notice too in verse eleven, he says, "Go to this house because he is praying." Yeah. So Saul is still required to respond. This is not uh, Saul is not forced into this in, yes. in any sense. He has this realization of the truth. I've been completely going the wrong way, but it's still for him to, how is he going to respond to that? And his response is to prayer. And in response to his prayer, God gets Ananias and, uh, and sends Ananias in. I, I do. I love the fact that he has a vision of Jesus speaking to Ananias. And, and then he says, I think you must be mistaken. (laughs) It's like, no, no, this is Jesus. And Jesus responds just go. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. do what I say. I'm aware of the news, buddy. <laughs> right. I'm a little bit yeah. omnip- omnipresent. But, yeah. but you can Im- you can imagine how how remarkable this is because there's not another person in the world yes. at this time who yes. would be less likely. Yes. Uh, there's, there's not a greater enemy of of the Christian faith oh. at this time, and not another person who's less likely to become a Christian. So no wonder Ananias is uh, somewhat incredulous about this. Uh, and God's every, response: yeah. This is my chosen instrument uh, to proclaim my name uh, to the Gentiles. And and we have, and to wrap up the thought we had earlier there with Philip and Peter and John with the yep. Samaritans, <clears throat> as Paul enters into this new covenant in this new yep. relationship. Scales fall from his eyes. Yeah. He responds to the message that Ananias gives yep. him. He is filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And he is baptized. That's right. And it's all, you know, it's it's the one thing. Yeah, yeah, it's that's not right. like yeah, days yeah. later or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. So yet something different, even though he had been sitting there fasting and praying for three days in blindness. You know, he is he responds at the one time when yeah, I that's Ananias. Right. So yeah. it's a beautiful Beautiful picture there. In a sense, I think Saul in this story is a kind of um, his experience 
is in some way emblematic of the Jewish experience oh, uh, here. He really stands for yes. this is what is required. And because recall that God had always said to the Jewish people that they would be a light to the Gentiles. That was their, their mission, in a yes. sense, to be a light to the Gentiles. So what what is happening here is that Saul is is being called, you know, Saul who is you know, put his hand up first as a Pharisee uh, to live the life that God wanted him to live, um, really stands for this people. And he has this, and as I said, it's kind of indicative of what is going to need to happen uh, for this people to actually fulfill this calling to be a light to the Gentiles. And of course, he, it's totally um, appropriate that this you know, the Jew of Jews, in a sense, yes, is given this mission to take the gospel to the Gentiles because that is the that's the Jewish that's the mandate to the Jewish people originally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that was their commission to be a light to the Gentiles, and so he fulfills that. All right, we're going to see how that goes in just a moment. Let's take a quick break here. You're on Thrive Deeper. We're in the Book of Acts, chapter nine, and we're just getting to know Saul, aka Paul. We'll be back in just a moment. your old mate DJ here and I hate to interrupt this discussion on the book of Acts but every now and then I would like to come to you especially as we finish up this financial year and let you know that we can't do what we do without your help. Now I've worked for a few different organizations over the years, a few different broadcasting and media organizations and I can tell you one thing, Thrive runs on the smell of an oily rag. Okay, we we keep it lean and mean here at Thrive. I, I tell you right now, our little oily rag, eh, it might need a little bit more oil in it, okay? So I'm coming to you to say, please consider becoming a supporter in what we do here at Thrive. If you think the podcast, if you believe that the Thrive Deeper Reading Guide is a benefit to you, and it has been a spiritual uh, help for you in your work with God, then please consider becoming a monthly supporter. Easiest way to do that is to head over to thrivetoday.tv, our website, thrivetoday.tv. On the top of the page, you'll see Donate. Click on that, and it will take you to a page where you can decide how much you want to give per month. Become a monthly supporter of what we do here at Thrive. It's really simple. You decide the amount, you choose the amount there, and you give whatever it is per month that you want to give. It helps us keep the lights on, keep everything going here. The little costs that we have, they do mount up, and we've got some big plans for the future, so we'd love you to be part of that. Please pray about it. Consider becoming a monthly supporter of what we do at Thrive. You can do that at thrivetoday.tv. And now, let's get back to the Book of Acts here at Thrive Deeper.
Thrive Deeper, your old mate DJ, and your great friend and guide, Matthew Jacoby, taking you through the book of Acts. This is the Acts of the Apostles. This is uh, our third part in a six-part series we're doing on the podcast through the book of Acts, and we're halfway through chapter nine. We've just had the amazing experience of Saul, the Pharisee Saul, the one who is dare I say it, hell-bent on destroying mm. these these early Christians, he has the experience of Jesus coming to him and saving him. Now, Saul then stays with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately, immediately mm. through this experience, he begins preaching about Jesus in, a, in the synagogues, saying that he is indeed the Son of God. So everyone is amazed. They can't believe it. He then... You know, he's growing in faith, he's growing in his experience with God, and then he is decides it's time to go go to Jerusalem again through yeah. persecution, through that pattern of persecution. Well, um it's it's interesting and again just to follow what what Luke is showing here, one of the big themes here is that you cannot stop the outflow of the message. Yeah. You know, it's the whole idea of speaking boldly and, and it this is something that's not gonna be shut down, okay? Now of course Saul is gonna be the the shutting down instrument. He's the one that wants to shut it down. And now, and this is the irony in this, now he actually becomes the vessel. Uh, So the one who who was really the greatest obstacle, um, the the persecutor, he actually now becomes the vessel of God's word. So he he went thinking thinking that he was going to shut it down uh, and actually uh, now he goes to the very place where he was going to shut down um, the the message now he's the vessel of the message, so uh, yeah he um, he stirs up a lot of uh, a lot of issues in Damascus. Now there's an interesting uh, little timeline uh, um, points that I want to make here, yeah. because um, in um, Galatians chapter one, Paul talks about going to Arabia. Mm. Now um, the uh, this this probably happens around here at some point. He probably goes to Arabia, goes away to Arabia and comes back to Damascus. Mm. Um, and so really what Luke is doing is just simplifying this because Luke yes. is wanting to move this, keep, move, this, yeah, keep, keep this story, story yeah. moving. And, and um, But yeah, he, he evidently he goes to Arabia. We're actually not quite sure uh, where he as some goes. There's some very interesting suggestions. He actually says... In uh, I think it's in Second Corinthians, he talks about uh, the Nabataean governor uh, Aratus was the one who was instrumental in trying to shut him down. Actually, in yeah. um, uh, in here in Damascus, Damascus. yes, and uh, and so it may be uh, that he, if that's the if given that that's the case, because well, the, the Nabat if there's a Nabataean government, there, there was. Uh, what we do know is that in Damascus there was a large Nabataean Arab Nabataean community yes. uh, in Damascus at that time, and they probably would have had their own governor. Wow! Uh, and so, um, and maybe that guy was powerful enough to have been the main power broker in the city, possibly yes. at the time. So, um, uh, so he, uh, I'm just looking for the uh, reference here. Um, so he evidently, it says in. 2 Corinthians 11, this is it. It says, In Damascus, the governor under King Aratus had the city of Damascus guarded in order to arrest me, but I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. So it may be, if this is given, it may be that he had actually gone either to or through what we now 
uh, what ref- uh, Petra, what yes. became known as Petra, yes, um, city uh, there in down in the sort of south of Israel in the desert, uh, and probably stirred up some issues. This is this is what scholars think yeah. that that he, he may have stirred up some issues there with his preaching there. N.T. Wright makes an interesting suggestion um, uh, about the Arabia sojourn. Uh, N.T. Wright suggests that he would have gone to Sinai. That oh, Paul, wow. it, that this is this is Paul's, uh, in a sense, that Paul's journey here mirrors that of Elijah, because Elijah has this, uh, you know, the prophets of Baal experience, yes. and then he goes uh, goes out into the wilderness and ends up going to um, Mount Sinai, yeah, uh, the the place of the covenant, you know, and so like N.T. Wright suggests that Paul, you know, having had this experience, needs to get. His head together with yeah. this, right? He needs yeah. to, and and so he makes a pilgrimage mm. down into through, and probably you know preaching as well, perhaps preaching in uh, Petra to the Nabataeans goes because you would have to go through there anyway to get down into the Sinai Peninsula, goes to Mount Sinai wherever that is, uh, but somewhere in the Sinai <laughs> Peninsula, and um, and you know that th- this is where he spends some time to sort of get his head together with and, all of and this could stuff. He, it could even be the time when, when he alludes to it. Is, is it in Colossians where he alludes to, you know, I knew a man, whether in the spirit or yeah, in the Yeah, 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 it could be that. You know, yeah. where it talks about the time where we know that Paul's talking about himself, that Paul is taken up into heaven itself yeah. and is instructed by Jesus himself type yeah, of thing. That's He's right. taught these things and shown these things in heaven. Probably that all could have happened period. in that, in that yes. period. That's right. Because the, the interesting thing with the story of Elijah uh, if that's mirroring Elijah, after Elijah has goes down to uh, Mount Sinai, uh, or to Herob, as it's known in that story, yeah. um, he's sent to Damascus. Yeah. And so Paul comes back to Damascus, yeah. and this is where there's the, the, the issues with the governor under yes. Aratas. Yes. Uh, you know, perhaps he's caused problems down in amongst yeah. the Nabataeans in Petra, and uh, and now he's having to escape Damascus. So after a few years, after a few years, <laughs> that's my little, I love little it. interlude. I, no, I love this is all. That's all the nerdy stuff that I love. You know, trying to track down. You know, Paul's. You know, Paul's yeah. life there. So Saul mm-hmm. arrives in Jerusalem. Paul yeah. Saul arrives in Jerusalem. After a few years, you know, the stories yeah. are out there about this. You know, the persecutor. Yeah having now become a believer, but the apostles and the believers in this early church do not believe yep. this story. Yeah. Who believes? This guy that we've met, Barnabas, yeah. this son of encouragement, this yeah. encourager, yeah. takes the time to hear yeah. the testimony, hear everything about it, and it's because of him he mm. brings him to the apostles yeah, and says, right. listen to this story. This is that man. Mm. He's now preaching Jesus. So then Saul was able to stay with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Yeah. What an amazing What an amazing story. It's interesting in verse 29 of chapter 9, it says that he talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews. Interesting thing about that is these are the guys that stoned, it was the Hel- these Hellenistic Jews that were the ones that stoned Stephen. Yes. And these were the guys that laid their cloaks at Saul's yep. feet. And now here is Saul uh, debating with these very people. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, again, Paul, we realize straight away that Saul, aka Paul, is, um, you know, something really special in in this new movement. Everywhere he goes, he's stirring up trouble. That's yeah. the pattern. Yeah, he preaches boldly. This yeah. is you know, That's boldly right. yeah. is that other word about the Holy Spirit. They're given boldness. 
Paul is preaching Jesus boldly. He's stirring up the Jews, and he has yep. to split every time. Yep. So finally, the, the the apostles are like, "Dude, we're sending you back to your hometown, Tarsus. Yeah, that's right. yep. Get out of here." Um, and uh, the church had peace throughout Judea. Galilee, Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord and with encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it grew in numbers. And then we get another meanwhile in chapter nine. Meanwhile, Peter traveled. Now, what's Peter doing all this time? The other, the the leader of the church, you know, and again, we see that God is 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 moving Saul into this into this position, teaching him. But he's also working with mm. Peter. Yeah, and, that's right. And and Peter's uh, having a really interesting experience, mm. um, listening to uh, you know to the Holy Spirit and, and and being you know traveling to town to town, uh, doing doing amazing things. And um, mm. you know, we get this really interesting story from here. Yeah. From, yeah. And the interesting thing uh, about. This and the important thing really about this and what this is showing here at the end of chapter nine is that Peter is pretty much mirroring the ministry of Jesus. Yeah. This is this is the ministry of Jesus continued. Yep. So nothing has stopped here. This is a resurrected Christ yes. by his Holy Spirit working through his apostles. Um and so uh we we see Peter doing raising the dead and healing the sick and all of these sorts of things. Right. Right. So we, Peter, after uh, raising Tabitha, um, we're going to cut through this story really quick. You can read it there at the end of chapter nine. He's staying in Joppa uh, with Simon the Tanner. And uh, we, we then move into chapter 10 and we get this amazing story. It's like another, it's like a, it's a cut zoom in a movie. We go to a completely different place uh, in Caesarea. Caesarea, yeah. Caesarea, sorry. Uh, There's a Roman army officer, Cornelius. Yeah. He's the captain of the Italian regiment. I mean, this guy yeah. is, is is Roman, Italian as you can get. Yeah. Um, but the difference is he's a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. And he gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. Mm. Very unusual. Yeah, yeah. so he'd he'd already been obviously impressed by the Jewish faith in some sense. And this is quite common. There were lots of um, Gentile adherents uh, in in those times. Included, but a a Roman officer? um, Well, uh, we we see that uh, in... uh, we see that with the centurion that called on Jesus, that there was some sense yes. in which he was favoured by the Jewish people, and yes. so it wasn't unknown. There were there were uh, even Romans who who had you know, but not very often. Yeah. Uh, on the whole, it was pretty yep. fraught. But yep. this this guy's. Um, when I say it was quite common, uh, yeah, it was m- more common with your ordinary people, yes. Uh, yes. you know, Gentiles. But the problem was that they could never really become full members of the covenant community. This is the problem. They were always, in some sense, second class uh, members because they were not. Because that's uh, how the temple worked. Genealogically that's, Jewish, yeah. Yeah, that's how the, Ju- you know, the yeah, Jewish faith right. worked. So he gets this amazing visit from an angel. He's scared to death. And the angel says, Go send for Simon and Peter. He's going to tell you what's happening. He's out yeah. at Joppa. And so he sends a couple of his servants, um, and and Peter, you know, then we, we cut back to uh, you know to Peter at in Joppa, and he's you know uh, sleeping on the roof, yeah, sleeping on the roof, and he has this amazing vision that that really really challenges him. Yeah, and this is important because again, this is this is repeated again. He tells this story, you know, a couple of times now. Yeah. So this this is a moment where something really important changes. Now. Uh, they're going to, uh, um, 
you know, this is a change that's implicit in the ministry of Jesus, of course. And, and in fact, at one point, um, Jesus kind of makes this uh, explicit. Um, uh, as Mark points out, I think I've got a reference here. Um, uh, in Mark 7, verse 19, uh, with where he talks about the hand washing. Do you remember yes. Jesus talks about the hand washing? Yes. It says it's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean, but what comes out. Yeah. And Mark makes the the uh, statement, thus Jesus declared all foods clean. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, so Jesus at least implicitly uh, changes these rules about what's clean and unclean. But he has this vision of all of these animals, and because there's very strict food laws around what they can and can't eat, and God yeah. tells him to eat, he says, no, I can't. There's a lot of things there I can't eat. There's God reptiles, says, and this is the God says, do not, do not call unclean what I'm calling clean. So there's this, but it's not, it's not primarily about the food laws. Uh, I mean, that's part of it. In, in that's implied yeah. uh, here, of course. What really this is about is about, of course, the Gentiles. This is yeah. setting him up for. Now, at the time, though, Peter would have taken this as, oh, so Jesus, I, you're now putting to rest all of those food laws. That's not relevant anymore. That's how he would have taken it at that point. And I love the fact that he says to the Lord in his, in his vision, he says, look, I've never done anything, uh, you know, against the purity laws. Yeah. About the, you know, he's, he's going right back to Leviticus, Deuteronomy. He's going back to the ancient laws saying, I've never eaten anything against these laws. But God does it again, and he does it again. Yeah. And they have it, it, go, it happens three times. And when he finally wakes up from this vision, Peter's going, what? Yeah, exactly. What world does this yeah. mean? He's really contemplating. And of course, and then there's a knock on the door. <laughs> and, and then these guys turn, turn up and they bring him back to Cornelius's house. And this is a big deal because, again, yeah, Cornelius uh, represents the, um, the occupying power. He's a centurion. Yeah. And a, yes, yes, he's a, uh, he's a, a man who has been uh, treated the Jewish people well, and but he's still, you know, he's still a Roman centurion, and most of all, he's a Gentile. Yes, and so it's a big deal, massive, uh, even for Peter to go into his house. Yeah, but Peter, um, uh, you know, realizes what this vision is about as he goes to Cornelius's place, and he says in um, says in verse thirty four of Acts ten. Then Peter began to speak. I near, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears Him and does what is right. And he talks about his. Um, uh, later on, he talks about his, you know, the, the vision that he had. Yeah. And yeah. So, um, so he, so. Cornelius has all of these people, <laughs> all of all of his friends and family, and they're all gathered whole there. Household, yeah. You know, he has the, a full house, and uh, Peter talks about Jesus. Assumes that they already, interestingly, that they already know a bit about Jesus. Obviously, yeah. this is a word about this had got around, but he, uh, you know, he talks about Jesus Christ, and then it says in verse forty-four, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished. This is important. That the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Yeah. Now, again, I know for us that things. Well, what? Why yeah. would that? Why would you be astonished? <laughs> How could you be so narrow-minded? No, but again, you need to get inside their heads and recognize that at at at. They're probably thinking, okay, the Holy Spirit is given to us as the Jewish people to empower us to be a witness to the rest of the world, but. For them to see, look, it's one one of it's one thing to know that God has accepted uh, the Gentiles and yes. God is willing to forgive them and bring them in, incorporate yeah. them into His kingdom. But hang on, to give 
to anoint them with the Holy Spirit as well, uh, that's that actually is a big deal. That they may possibly have still thought at this stage that's a gift that's given only uh, to the Jewish people. But, totally. Um, uh, so here you get another one of these very important transitional moments where it needs to be made obvious uh, that they did receive, and so they they re- they receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, it, and it says here. Um, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Yes. So there was this outward sign, like in Acts chapter 2, that well, has them recognizing that Pentecost has now gone to the Gentiles. Exactly, exactly. These, the, the, They are now part of this new body, this new church. And I love yep. the next verse, Peter asks in 47, can anyone, and he's talking yep. to his Jewish you know, yeah. to the Jewish consul yeah. there. Can anyone object to them being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? Yeah. Like, it, you know, and I love, I love that, you know, and again, I don't want to read too much in it, but Peter points back to Pentecost in yeah. that phrase and yeah, says, that's right. you know, this is their Pentecost. Yeah. They've just experienced him in exactly the same way we did. So he gave orders yeah. for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked them to stay for several days. So we have, you know, the next part of Jesus's prophecy yeah. about the church growing and the message going out yeah. from Jerusalem to Judea to yeah, Samaria right. to the. We now have these Gentiles that's right. brought in by Peter himself into into this into this church, and again, this is, you know. A really getting back to the question that we had in the first half of the thing, the pattern about the Holy Spirit. These were these were people who believed in God, had heard a little bit about Jesus Christ, like mm, in the yeah, news, yeah. but they didn't know he was the Messiah. They hear about him being the Messiah through Peter. They, as they are listening, they are believing right there with him. Peter doesn't even get a chance to, yeah. you know, give an altar call. The Holy Spirit says, "Right, these people are believing. Bang! I'm entering into their hearts and 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 mm. showing them through the gifts of of yeah. speaking in tongues, yeah. speaking in other languages they didn't know what was happening. So Peter and the and the and the Jews had to say they are now part of the church. Yeah, this is that's it. Right. Yeah, it's an amazing. And so, of story. course, then in chapter eleven, they have to explain, uh, and I think this is just a, as a postscript to this story. Yeah. He, he then has to explain to the rest of the apostles in Jerusalem. This, this is, is why, and, and this is where story. you get. So, w- when he first goes to uh, Cornelius's house, he says, "Look, I'm not normally meant to associate with yeah. you guys, yeah. but God showed me this vision yeah. that that you know reversed that." And then he has to go and repeat the same story yep. to the apostles. And when they hear what had happened. Uh, you know, they praise God that he, that God has given them the same gift that He gave to the Jews, and uh, and and that leads to this account because we're we're moving away from Jerusalem. Remember, with with Luke, we're moving away from Jerusalem, and and that's that's where we get this movement up to Antioch, where uh, you get this Gentile church, um, and so it's not just happening in one place. Yeah, this is actually the same thing as happening. In a number of different places, uh, the Gentiles are coming to faith, and you get really the first big Gentile church actually in Antioch. Yeah, yeah. Look, this is oh, this gets so exciting. Uh, the you know the early church, um, and we're going to get more into this in 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 a fortnight in our next episode. So as we wrap up here in these chapters, you know eight, nine, and ten, you know. Uh, seeing new layers or levels or circles coming into uh, the church as it's growing, we we have 
converts like you know Saul becoming Paul, Cornelius, uh, the you know the Ethiopian, different people coming into the church. What what should we be mindful? Does it does you know today? I mean, we're mostly Gentiles mm. listening to this, you know, sort of marveling at at you know the Jewish mindset, you know, type of thing. What what is there for us to keep in mind today? And how should this be motivating us, mm. you know, as the church? In in because we're still part of this mission, aren't we? Absolutely, and and in fact, the reason that we are Christians today is because this didn't stop here. Yeah. This went worldwide. This went out and out and out, and yeah. over the last two thousand years, and in fact, more so in the last fifty, uh, fifty to one hundred years than any other time in history, that wow. experienced a greater geographical uh, spread uh, over the last hundred years than at any other time uh, in history. And so, it's things are accelerating, not slowing down. And we, you know, um, we we are Christians today because. The words of Jesus were fulfilled. He said that the yeast would spread right through the dough, that the little seed yeah. that he was planting would become a great tree, and it has become that. But it's become that because people responded to the call, like Saul, uh, you know, when God God was calling him, he was chosen instrument, but he had to respond to that as well yeah. and put aside everything, put his hand to the plow and serve God. He had to not keep the message in. Uh, he had to let the message out. This is a story about how the message will not be shut down. And I mm. think the challenge for us is not to allow our witness to get shut down by any other consideration. And I, one of the things that concerns me, as and, and I've been reminded of as I've read the book of Acts, is how first of all how strong the imperative is in the book of acts to don't ever shut up about this like don't don't shut the doors and the windows you've yeah. got to open the doors and the window let the light shine right let be a witness to Jesus Christ be an mm. open open house open you know uh, pull up the shutters uh, by no means you know shut this down because the one of the you know one of the things that we see from the beginning there has always been this opposition to want to shut this down and I think the greatest temptation Temptation, therefore, that we can expect is temptation for us to shut down our witness, whether it's fear of what other people think or, or, or awkwardness or whether it's because our culture, it's a hard thing to talk about in our culture. Mm. It was a hard thing to talk about then. They, there was lots of uh, opposition then. Mm. I think it's really important that we pray the prayer that the early church prayed. Uh, that we read about there in Acts chapter 3. They prayed for boldness. Lord, give us boldness to keep on sharing the message. I really do think that the best way to interpret the book of Acts is from that first chapter, chapter 1, and in verse 8, when Jesus says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the farthest parts of the earth. I tell you what, that is a great way to see those three chapters we looked at today. 8, 9, and 10. That gospel message just expanding in power. 
as the Holy Spirit moves his people to be an unstoppable force going out with that message. I love this book so much and hopefully you're getting a lot out of it as well. Please head over to thrivetoday.tv. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have your questions. Thrivetoday.tv. Drop us a line. We'll see you again in a fortnight as we continue in the book of Acts here on Thrive Deeper. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading in the Bible as you go through it with Thrive. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all of our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visit ratethispodcast.com slash thrive deeper. If you appreciate what we do and want to help us reach more people, go to ratethispodcast.com slash thrive deeper. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper into God's Word and thrive. This was another DJP.FM production.